The Final Furlong Podcast is brought to you by Tote. Play Tote 10 to follow to be in with a chance of winning a minimum share of £150,000. Head to 10tofollow.com to play the ultimate season long racing competition. Welcome along to the Final Furlong Podcast weekend preview where it is jumps chat all the way as we return to the headquarters of National Hunt Racing. Cheltenham. We've also got a fantastic card at Punchestown to talk about as well. We'll be briefly discussing that, but Cheltenham all the way. We're going to skip the Friday, and we've got some fantastic cards to talk about, so we need fantastic pundits for the job. The absolute legend. The king of the naps table. Still wearing his crown as we record this very show. It's Mr. Roy DeLarge. Good afternoon. From the Irish field, where you will be having more content again this weekend, my friend. Certainly hope so. <laughs> If you haven't checked out the Irish field lately, by the way, do. Um, absolutely outstanding stuff. And Rory's just been banging in the winners. So fantastic stuff, Rory. Keep it up. And a man who the celebrations can properly begin. Unfortunately, the celebrations are over Zoom because we all can't meet up and give each other a hug and high five and clink champagne glasses. But we can do it through virtual screens. So the Moet has been popped in celebration of his promotion from Racing TV, Mr. Tom Ball. <laughs> Hi, Eric. Thank you very much for that introduction. Hopefully, with the vaccination incoming, we can meet up and hug each other soon. The final Fallen Podcast listeners have something to say. <laughs> They're on their feet. They're rushing the stage. They've gone nuts. Tom, I'm delighted for you. Uh, it's well-deserved. It's uh, it's fantastic to see Racing TV uh, sign you. And uh, there's a few other announcements to be made as well. So I'm, I'm excited about it. I'm absolutely thrilled for you. And I'm sure that You're every... I am sure that every single person who is listening to this show who has had your valuable advice is desperately hopping that you are still going to be on the Final Forum podcast. And yes, you are, because it's that or your firstborn child. Anyway, <laughs> uh, we'll start with Cheltenham. A quick word on the going, because uh, before we got this started, we were just talking about Clomel, Tom and I. The weather in Ireland is crap. Uh, it Cheltenham, currently, it's good to soft, good in places, uh, with scattered showers forecast. Is that a roundabout correct, Mr. Delargy? Could be quite a lot of rain on Saturday. Ooh. Uh, as I said, the weather side I use, no, I suppose to John Ketley, does a private weather forecast for Cheltenham, um, uh, tells me that it's predicting about half an inch of rain through Saturday, starting early in the morning. Whoa. So that could uh, turn things um, on their head a little bit. So um, the suggestion, speaking to um, Chris Cook, um, who's a friend of the show, yes. and lives in Cheltenham, he said he thought the ground might be faster than expected for the opening day. Okay. Um, there's not been there's been very little rain around uh, recently in Cheltenham, and I don't think they've been watering. Uh, so he thought the, the going there wouldn't be much soft in the ground tomorrow. But if they get half an inch of rain on, on Saturday, it can change very quickly. That you know, as something to bear in mind. Um, don't assume that whatever ground we have on Friday is going to be the same on Saturday. So keep a very close eye on that weather forecast. So let me ask you this. Has it affected your original selection? I, I prefer not to have very soft ground for, for Costa Rico, but the, the you know, um, the angle with him was was just taking the big price in the mm -hmm. first place. Uh, the 60-60s was, was too big. 50s was a bit too big. He's had a wind operation and the horses with, with wind issues tend to be better on good ground. And his, his standout effort last year came on good ground. So it would be a worry, yes. Uh, I wouldn't be piney. I, I probably won't be making my selection to do, tomorrow. Um, in the race, uh, I'll again keep a close eye on the weather, see if, see if what we're 
forecast is still being forecast uh, this time tomorrow um, and uh, cut my cloth accordingly. Hopefully you listened to our Toast Tend to Follow special where we went off on a brief tangent because Rory said, I've got the 66 to 1 winner of the Petty Power Gold Cup. And uh, of course, I managed to get it out of him. By the time the show went live and we had a we gen, we genuine... <laughs> Even funny, but when it finally went live, I went back and checked Odds Checker, Sea of Blue, and uh, that sixty six is long gone. And if you listen back to that exact moment where Rory is telling us about Rico, you can hear me frantically searching Odds Checker, but you can also hear Kate Tracy and Jamie Benson frantically typing away in the background as well, like mad. So um, it's it's all of our faults and uh, apologies for that. But some of you did manage to, to nabble big prices. I think I've got five places in 66 to one and then was told I couldn't have any more on uh, because I'm a moron. And uh, the top price about Colorico right now is 33 to one, but he's generally 20s in places. Yeah, well, this is, well, there's there's obviously the market's been reformed now, so there's, 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 there aren't that many firms who are up at the moment. I, I, I still think you'll get 40s or thereabouts about them if you're if you're still interested in it. Um, that's the thing about getting involved early in a race like this. If you're just looking for a little bit of value, the market goes, the price goes very quickly yeah. because no one wants to be to be laying um, lumpy bets. But at the same time, no one's laying lumpy bets. So when it comes to the to day of race itself, and uh, people start having more lumpy bets on the market leaders. Um, something's got to give, and um, you know, often the price comes back if you've uh, if you punted it early. You know, every now and again. Well, look at Sam Honest Vic. At um, was it Honest Vic? Yeah, yeah. Um, who you know, I put up at um, twelve to one, thinking that price would, would go, and he'd go off four to one favor on the day, and he's drifted back out of twelve to one. On the yeah, day. wasn't it sixteens? So, yeah. 16s on Betfair, yeah, but 12 to 1 SP. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, we got that. That often happens if you get involved early. So, we got that Betfair gravy, and you were convinced he was going to go up fives or sevens or something like that. So, yeah, when he was, yeah, and he was was into seven to one the day before. Well, you uh, pretty much across the board and then drifted all the way back out on the uh, on the day so that was quite nice yeah anyway enough, enough, enough after timing all right you like you did you did I'll be honest you did me a massive favor with the uh, a lucky 63 so happy bloody days and uh, final for podcast listeners were losing their minds as well so yeah hopefully hopefully there's more success to come as we record on Thursday toe tend to follow that deadline it's fast approaching 11 a.m Saturday morning if you're not don't even look at it until 10 30. Don't even look at it until 10.30. You can make as many changes as you want <laughs> up until the deadline. But once that deadline kicks in, the only change that you can make after that is the transfer window before Cheltenham, which I, I quite like. I like that idea. Given the fact that there's so many Final Forum podcast listeners who are getting involved, and um, I know that you want to get involved in the mini league as well, just take Rory's advice, his very valuable advice that he gave, but remember that there is a minimum price pool of £150,000 that is guaranteed by the tote. Last year, the winner got 173000 And for just £5 or €5.50 here in Ireland, uh, you can have an interest in all the big grade ones throughout the season. Or you can play in the private leagues against your mates, a bit like fantasy football. And we have set one up for Final Furlong Podcast listeners as well. Uh, the code, thank you, Jamie Benson is 000158. So to enter the Final Furlong Podcast Mini League, the code is 000158. And there are monthly prizes 
guaranteed by the Tote for that mini league. These include Tote Swag. I think Jamie has managed to unearth some Tote Coasters, Tote Pens, Tote Umbrellas, stuff like that. But also there's a £100 free bet for the overall winner at the end of the season. And of course, the massive bragging rights, because if you beat Rory, Kate and I and Tom, you can throw it in our faces and say, better than you, clowns. Uh, so there you go. The Final Furlong Podcast mini league code is 000158. Enter, take us on, come and have a go if you think you're clever enough, as Bradley Walsh says. Uh, but more importantly, there's £10,000 in monthly prizes up for grabs. Ten grand plus a minimum £150,000 in the prize pool. And the Tote are pretty confident that that's actually going to be an awful lot higher than that. So head to 10tofollow.com to play the ultimate season-long racing competition. There you go. I think Kira's already said that in the intro, but um, it's going to be a lot of fun. And I'm looking forward to it. And some of the 10 to follow horses we'll talk about now. Uh, the Paddy Power Gold Cup Handicap Chase is the first race that we'll talk about. It's the feature on the Saturday. We're skipping Friday, as I said. Uh, Saint Sonnet currently heads the betting for Paul Nichols. No surprise there with Harry Cobden on board. Uh, around about 9 to 2 is currently your best price. Simply the bets. Fives, Mr. Fisher. A big K Tracy horse, 11 to 2. Al Dancer, 9s. Slate House, 10 to 1. And uh, Sire Dulac for Mr. Pipe. Hello, David Pipe, 12 to 1. He's back on the show soon. Uh, Berlon for Paul Nichols and John John Neal Jr., 16s. And more importantly, Cotto Rico is a best price, 33 to 1. Tom Bull, let us know. The Paddy Power Gold Cup, who do you like? Yeah, I mean, it's a fascinating race, isn't it? With Saint Sonnet heading the market, we don't know much about him. He could be well ahead of his mark, but he's not really done enough for me to to go in at that price. Um, I do think simply the bets could be, you know, a grade one performer. And if he is worthy of this mark, and I think he could well be, then he could trounce this field. He looks a very exciting prospect. And I know that Harry Whittington has been up in arms about him recently saying he has trained on and trained on impressively. So you can see him going really well if ready and raring to go, which I'm sure he will be. But again, at the prices, I'm tempted to take him on. Actually, one that I like at a big price, a bigger price at least, is the Russian Doyen, who actually is Colin Tizzle's second string with uh, Slate House being his first string. But there are plenty of reasons to like this horse. Um, he's had a nice little breeze over hurdles recently at Fontwell to warm up for this. Um, he's very lightly raced for his age. He's a seven-year-old now, and um, he only raced once last year when he was pulled up. That was very much you can put a line through that season, really, because it wasn't it wasn't really a campaign to to write home about at all. But he is a chaser going places. Judged on performances before that, when he won nicely at Newbury before finishing fourth behind Aplutard, the ridiculously well handicapped Aplutard at the Cheltenham Festival, uh, where he was bang there coming to two out and just got a little bit tired but I think that was a really nice performance and now he's had another two seasons on his back I expect the Russian Doyen to improve further over fences particularly over this trip I expect to be a stronger stayer as he did show on his reappearance after a long time off which was over hurdles when he finished third I thought it was a really nice performance he stayed on very nicely to the line it wasn't a bad handicap hurdle by any stretch of the imagination and Chody's got plenty of ability, and I think he is much more of a chaser than a hurdler. So at the prices, I think the Russian door, and he's definitely got that run under his belt, which is a good thing, because Colin Tizard's tend to have needed the run so far this season. Not all of them have, but plenty of his good horses have done. We saw that with Fiddle on the Roof and a couple of others as well. Mm-hmm. Um, so the fact that he's had a run under his belt is definitely a big positive. And um, I can see him going very well here. I like a couple of others in the race but he's my main selection I like Al Dancer who I was very taken by over a new trip at Newton Abbott last time out where he beat Martin
master Tommy Tucker, who obviously absolutely bolted up earlier this week at Huntingdon in what was a match race. But the horse that he beat in second is Precious Cargo is no mug. Um, and our dancer clearly is really thriving, going to thrive over this trip. I think connections may have been kind of duped, not duped because he was a good horse over two miles. He obviously won a bet for Hurdle at Ascot, but I think his performance in that race may have duped his connections thinking, yes, he is an out-and-out two-miler. Whereas I think now... He does look as though this extra distance is going to be absolutely ideal for him. And I was quite taken by that reappearance in Newton Abbott. And uh, we know that he's won over this course and distance before. So I think for the Tristan Davis clan, actually it's worth pointing out, this is a bit of a tangent really, but Sam Tristan Davis, if anyone gets the chance to go and watch his ride aboard Town Parks at Hereford earlier in the week. Damn, uh, that was good. Ride. Oh, what a ride that was. Um, up there with uh, Ride of the Month, I'm sure, and possibly even Ride of the Season in its early days, but I would definitely put that up there already. Um, so check that out. But he's got a chance, as does Spirit of the Games, if ready and raring to go, because he's definitely got a win in this mark off him at some stage. As long as Harry Skelton doesn't hold, hold him up with a washing, I think he'll be banging there too. But the Russian Doyen for me is the one each way. He's around about 14, 16 to 1, which I think is a very fair price. We're yet to see the best of him, and hopefully today's going to be his day. Uh, Sam Tristan Davis has won this race twice in the last 10 years, by the way, uh, just to steal a Norville-style stat. And I'm seeing a best-priced 20s, but maybe that's with someone who's only going to let you have two pounds on. So I, I don't know, maybe punish them and, t- punish them and take the, the two pounds 20s off them. But um, I'm loving the case put forward for the Russian Doyen, and I'm probably going to have to save on my investment in Coto Rico. Uh, Rory Delargi, you're saying that Coto Rico, you're keeping the faith, but if the ground gets soft, might not be your main selection. So what's your current thinking, and uh, yeah. is it in line with uh, Tom's thinking? Uh, yeah, uh, Tom's shortlist is, is is perfectly fair. I have no no arguments with that. Um, the, the Russian Doyen looks like he's been laid out for the race. Um, gets there with a with a light weight and is well handicapped on the form he showed um as a no well a potentially well handicapped in the form that he showed as a, a novice chaser. Um he of course was um was placed in the uh uh the novice handicap chase um of a mark of 141 and is now it's now one three eight but it's only a seven year old and very lightly raced so it would be no surprise to see him improve. Most of these are pretty exposed. Obviously the favourite could be anything um I'm not a massive fan of horses. It could be anything, though. So I'm I'm happy to leave St. Sonnet alone. Um, I've got to um, got to come back to Happy Diva again, who was my selection in the race last year. Again, I think she'd run really well. This uh, the the setup here suits her ideally. She's she's got a very good record at Cheltenham. She's got a good record in the mud. So what she needs is the rain. If, if the rain arrives on Saturday, as um, as it looks like it might, that will really bring her into the equation. And she's twelve to one. Um, she's a little bit shorter than she was last year. She's higher in the weights, of course, but of course, um, she went on to, to back that effort up um, by finishing a very good second uh, in the festival plate in March. And uh, she's just thoroughly reliable around here. Um, so if you're looking for something to to hit the frame, um, she should uh, run well again. Of course, she, she was beaten by simply the bets. Mm-hmm. Um, he will also relish the conditions. Uh, he's got a very solid form on, on soft ground. Got plenty of weight in his back now, having gone up eight pounds for that. But again, as a seven-year-old who's still progressing from a yard that started the season really well, he would be on the short list too. So um, if the prices stand up as they are, I might, and again, depending on the forecast, I want to see as much rain as possible. I may end up um, siding with Happy TV each way again because she's, um, uh, you know, the, the really strong pace will find a few out here, but the faster they go, the happier she is. Um, she would have just needed to run in a reappearance of Weatherby. She ran well for a long way there. She'll step forward from it. 
you get the impression there might be one or two slightly better handicap now, um, given she's two pounds higher than when beaten at the festival. But she's pretty much guaranteed to run a race, and I should see her um, sneaking into the frame. I predict that I will be doing a combination exacta and a combination trifecta, which will be Happy Diva, Russian Doyen. What the hell just happened? Did someone just fall over in panic at the fact that this is going to be a bet that I'm going to do? Uh, no, I think I, I uncrossed my legs, which I think has <laughs> weirdly made a massive noise. It- and now I have the scene of Sharon Stone in uh, in, that, in that famous <laughs> '90s film, which is not an image that I want when it's Tom Bull is actually doing it. Here you go. Ah, oh, right. Okay. Um, it sounded as though you were like Jesus Christ. People think I do the podcast with no trousers on. Which in fairness, <laughs> in fairness, I do. <laughs> yeah. So you're picking up dust off the floor. I'm That's not what. Alone. That, ladies, Tom Bull. There you go. Uh, no, it's an image no one wants. It isn't an image. Well, no there's one. a lot of female listeners to the Final Front podcast, and they may be very, 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 very well impressed with the fact that you're now picking up dust off the floor, Tom. So uh, who knows? Um, we'll, we'll see. I will be doing a combination trifecta slash exacta with the Russian Doyen, Happy Diva, Cardo Rico, and Simply the Bets. And we'll see you all in Dubai. Or as Nick Luck said, do you really want to go to Dubai right now? So Dubai for Super Saturday or Dubai World Cup. There we go. Um, that's what we're going to be going for. Final selections. Um, I'm obviously all over Cotto Rico, and I genuinely am going to do that exacta. Uh, that's how I'm going to play the race. Um, Tom, the Russian Doyen is your main selection? Yeah, the Russian Doyen each way. I mean, there's plenty in his favour, and I think he's way too big a price, so I wouldn't be at all surprised to see him go off shorter. I think the, the, the fact that he is... The supposed Tizard second string is factored into his price, but I know I'd be I'd be massively surprised if the Russian Doyen wasn't equally as you know capable of, of a good performance as Slate House. And I think he'll produce a better performance than Slate House, to be honest. So I think we'll probably need the run. And his two performances at the end of last season were pretty bad. Mm. And um, you know, I know he's he's five pounds higher than last season when he might have won. But to be honest, I'm not in a, I'm the camp that thinks he probably wouldn't have won. So I'm very keen to take him on. And I think, yeah, the Russian Doyen's got a big chance. I'm in agreement with you there. Also, Adrian Heskin, very very talented jockey and uh, good crack as well. Done two, done a few Cheltenham previews with him. He's mad crack. Um, Rory Delargy, your final selection is Happy Diva. Yes, assuming the uh, the weather forecast is right, um, I'll hold off on that until. Uh, until I feel confident. But yeah, she I think she'll run her race. And you, you're going to have generous each way terms here. Um, so looking for, for solid each way selections is the way forward rather than trying to find a, uh, a mythical certainty in the race. Yeah, just looking at odds checker, by the way, there are a couple of firms who are shamelessly going four places. Um, but I don't I, Listen, I've got no problem firms going four places. As long as they're going a quarter of the odds, four places. They're going a quarter of the odds, four places. To be fair, that's that's but, fair enough. But they're, not, they're not ripping anyone, not ripping anyone off with that, with that, uh, those terms. Those are those are very fair for punters. All right, almost certainly. If they're bet, you know, if they're betting to a fairly tight market, that'll, that'll hey, still hey, be hey, 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 they haven't thrown money our way yet, Rory. Let's not give well, them. Let's not give them too much of a of a big up. Um, but there are also firms paying six places each way. So. Oh, but again, that's 50 the odds. So pay your money, take your choice. Uh, we'll move on to the 1230. Now we're going to talk about this briefly because it's the JCB Juvenile Triumph Hurdle Trial. Um, it's an interesting one. And there are some very interesting horses in there, particularly Billy the Squid. Shout out to Fergal O'Brien and uh, Paddy Brennan. Um, Fergal's horses are in tremendous form. Um, I don't know if you saw on their Twitter page the other day, but somebody sent them a Billy the Squid cake. Uh 
which was in the shape of a squid. So he's a bit of a legend. Whether he can win this or not, I don't know. Uh, Roy DeLarge. This is a race that um, I have very little interest in placing a bet in, unless you're going to tell me otherwise. Uh, not really. I think um, I think Billy the Squid will be fine tied in this company, um, much as I like the the Fergal O'Brien operation, um, both in terms of his his training and his uh, his Twitter output. Um, Shout out to Sam. I suspect, I suspect that Duffelcoat might just struggle with a penalty for winning a listed race at Weatherby last time out as well. Um, the uh, the one to beat here, and it's not telling you much, is, is Hell Red, um, who um, has the experience, and this is a massive help. Horses who've got gained experience in France in the spring, we don't we don't race our horses in juvenile hurdles um, really until um, I mean, I think there's a race on Derby Day, isn't there? Traditionally, yeah, we didn't have it this year, um, but the, the, we don't get we don't get many. Um, juvenile hurdles for decent horses until September, October time. Whereas in France, they race them from March. Um, so Hell Red uh, was runner-up at Otoyan back in March um, for um, uh, for Guillaume Macaire, would have been extremely well-schooled, and then made a very impressive winning debut um, at Chepstow last time out beating uh, Phoenix Aquilas. Um, that loose, very solid form for the time of year, and given that he's getting weight uh, from Duffelcoat, I think he'd take a hell of a lot of beating. Oh, but wow. then the market tells you that anyway. Okay. Uh, I am I am very much taken aback by that and uh, may have to add him to my lucky 63. Uh, Tom Bull. Yeah, I mean, first of all, I think Richard Hall is going to have to have his specs on because Adagio, Balco, Saint and Billy the Squid have almost got <laughs> exactly the same silks. Yeah. Um, so I, I kind of pity him in the commentary box. Good luck, Oilsy. So if it is Richard Hall's on, on, on Saturday. If it's Simon yeah. Hall's. Yeah, so I, actually, owners, I agree with what... Sorry, I was just saying three different owners as well. Yeah, it's bonkers. It's, it's not, this is not like a Coolmore thing or, or a Godolphin no. thing. It's three different owners with similar silks. So uh, good luck, Simon Holtz, Mike Adamol, uh, Richard Holtz, whoever it is. Um, but actually one of those I do like is uh, I was quite taken by the performance of Adagio on debut at Warwick where he was... Yes, Tumble! Yes! Quite... <laughs> quite well backed with a horse called Duke of Condicate both of them head of the market and neither of them had runs over hurdles and they finished a long way clear of the rest and Adagio was himself seven and a half lengths clear of Duke of Condicate who was obviously fancied by Alan King's stable to go close and the fact that he made him look pretty slow which suggests to me that he's quite an exciting horse with David Pipe and I'd, I'd, I'd like to see David Pipe with a really exciting horse that'd be great um, I think obviously exactly what Rory said Hell Red definitely the one to beat um, won very easily at Chepstow um, and Duffelcoat, I think, also will be found out under a penalty. So, um, yeah, Adagio for me. Adagio for me as well. And it's not just because I'm a member of the David Pipe fan club. It's because I was so taken with that debut. Um, he was a, a good winner on the flat. It was a claimer, to be fair, under Christoph Sumion by eight lengths. But I really liked his debut. And, um, yeah, uh, that team, the Drew and Tisdale combination have come up with some good horses over the years. So uh, Adagio for me. And um, sorry, Rory, that's the one that will be going in my lucky 63 now that it's been endorsed by Tom Bull. And on a completely unrelated note, when I mentioned Tom Bull's name, you can see that race live on Racing TV. The 140 used to be known as the Arkle Trial, from what I remember. It was won last year by Put the Kettle On. Go on, go for the champion chase. Uh, it's registered as the November GBB race. Let's go with that. Uh, so the market is headed by Fussel Ravels uh, for Nikki and Daryl Jacob. 
Uh, we've then got Alan Arundo and Alan at seven to two. Uh, Keldestan, who there was high hopes for for Paul Nichols, has a run after a second wind operation. And uh, let's just go. Let's just go. Uh, Roy Delargi, who wins? Uh, I'm not mad on it, to be perfectly honest. I'd um, I'd give um, Gumball half a chance of um, of causing a shock. He's a better jumper over fences than he was over hurdles. And that's what held him back. As a, he was a very useful um, juvenile, but his jumping was very scrappy. But he jumped well at Utahster last time out, um, and he might be a he might be a fair price there. But it's not a race that um, that particularly floats my boat. Okay, so this comes with a, a note of caution. It's a case of if you want to add this horse in to your whatever bet it is you're placing. By the way, bear in mind there's only two places each way, so it might be a race I'm skipping as well. Um, Gumball is a best price twelve to one. So Tom Bull, any interest in the one forty? Yeah, I actually think it's a really interesting race. Um, you could probably give a chance to, to every horse in it. Um, I'm I'm most intrigued by Eldorado Allen, who I have to say I thought produced one of the best jumping debuts I've seen in a long time, despite the fact he completely catapulted himself through the last fence it was a fantastic jumping performance up till then and if he jumps like he did then at Cheltenham I think it'd be very hard to beat here yes he's got a little bit to find on the figures over hurdles but he's quite clearly a better chaser than a herder judged on that performance and the fact that he managed to win so well first time up and as I said earlier Colin Tizars aren't frequently firing first time up this season so far so for me Eldorado Allen is the most interesting runner in the race going forward actually more so than Fusil Raffles and Keldestan who is the best of these over hurdles and I give a shout to Zarka Reva who gets a huge amount of weight here yes she won last time out in grade three company getting similarly bags of weight but she's always going places and we know how good Henry de Bromhead is at targeting his horses at this kind of race as he did with Put the Kettle On. So you'd have to give Zarkareva a chance. Um, but Eldorado Allen's the most interesting horse for me here. And I hope he jumps so ebulliently and exuberantly as he did at Cheltenham because it was, a, 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 a Newton Abbott, sorry, as it was a joy to watch. This is like the talk sport stuff that we do together, Tom. It's like you're reading my mind again. Uh, because Zarkareva is the horse that I was very interested in. Um, Dylan Robinson, I thought, was very, really, really, really good last time. Aidan Coleman takes over. And as you said, uh, Henry de Bromhead has won this race in the past, most notably with the Arkle winner, put the kettle on. So that's who I will be going for. Uh, that's the 140 out of the way. We'll move on to the 250. Uh, I think one of you, I think it's Rory, has got a big, strong selection for this race. Uh, T-Clipper for Tom Lacey and Jonathan Burke. 11-4, Johnny Burke, I should say, from the Cheltenham previews I've done with them. 11-4 is currently the best odds. Dandy Dan, 11-2. Del Arca. Good old Del Arca. You can still get 10s uh, for David Pipe. And uh, let's go. Uh, so I'm going to start with Tom Bull, first of all. The 250 at Cheltenham. Yeah, I think this is really competitive, isn't it? Um, T-Clipper was obviously quite impressive in the Silver Trophy at Chepstow. That was a very competitive handicap hurdle, and he did win it well. And now he's stepping up to three miles for the first time. It will be quite a performance from trainer Tom Lacey to get a horse who is showing quite a lot of speed in winning novice hurdles over two miles at tracks like Kempton and Huntingdon last season to then winning over three miles in listed handicap company at Cheltenham. That will just showcase the talents of Lacey once again because he is a very shrewd operator. And T Clipper has done nothing but win uh, since he started rules, really. One blip when he came second at Huntingdon, but he's just improved and improved and improved. And you can't take him on 
with a lot of confidence. I mean, he's too short a price for me to back in a race like this mm. when there's plenty of others who could be ahead of their marks. Um, but he has got a big chance, you'd have to say. The one that I like each way is a horse called Weatherfront for Ian Jardine. Uh, this horse has not had many chances with his current trainers. He had four starts, two over hurdles and two on the flat. Both flat performances were good. And he ran very well behind a progressive handicap or Chapman type at Kelso, finishing second two starts ago, and then was given too much to do back at Cheltenham last time out behind Captain Tomcat, who runs later on the card. Um, that was still a nice performance, and I think he's tailor-made for this step up to three miles. And uh, hopefully the ground won't be too soft. He does go in soft, we know that, but I don't think he wants it too too heavy. And uh, Conor O'Farrell places Dale Irving now. So hopefully Weatherfront, who is quite likely raced now for his current trainer, I think he's going to have more to come and race a decent prospect over a trip he hasn't tried before, and one that I think he will relish so hopefully at a decent price uh, he, he's got a big chance he was given too much to do at Cheltenham last time he should have finished closer than he did um, so I'd be definitely willing to uh, to give him an each way shout for sure okay well shout out to Kate Tracy's better half obviously Kate Tracy is the better half but Kieran Gethings will be riding Dandy Man so Kieran will be cheering you on but um, we're not backing Dandy Dan unless Roy DeLarge says that this is the horse to back because I'm pretty sure this is the race you're keen on Rory Yes, uh, but the horse I'm particularly keen on in this is Mrs. Milner. Um, Another Irish winner. One of the few solid bets I see on the card. Um, She very, very much caught my eye um, this time last year. She won a a third as novice for... um, uh, for Paul Nolan in good style. Um, and then she just got a horrible luck in running in a really uh, a big field handicap hurdle at Leperstein over Christmas, the Holden Plant Rentals, um, where she she must have been 12 horses wide um, coming around the bends. Uh, finished seventh in the end, was miles better than the result. Um, and then um, she was disappointing on her on her next start when she made a, a, an early mistake. But she's run very well all three starts since um, drop back to, to two miles to win a Galway in July, um, but she will stay. And as far as I can see, just you know, she's very much bred to stay. Um, and she stepped up to two miles six at, at Ballon Robe last time out. And again, she wasn't seen to best effect. She was she wasn't particularly well placed in the race, and she kept on very well late in the day um, to grab third. But um, I, I don't think she came in for a particularly. Uh, enterprising ride that day. She's behind um, the Robbie Parr ridden winner, um, tune the cello, and Robbie now takes over on her. And I think I think a more um, uh, proactive ride on her will will see her to better effect. She's certainly, you know, everything I've seen her from the last year suggests that she's a, the type of mare to improve over time and with distance. And she's been looked after, I think, by Paul Nolan. Um, she's worn a tongue-tied both starts this season. She's she's stepped her form up. Um, accordingly, I think she's capable of better again. Her mark here is one thirty compared to one two two that she ran off at Ballon Road last time out. But I think that's—I don't think that's a massive problem. You get some very competitive handicap hurdles in Ireland uh, for horses around the mark that she was running off last season, um, and I think um, I think that's a, a fair representation of her form. Um, for me, she's got nothing to find um, on the figures, and I'm pretty sure. In fact, I think she might. Uh, just looking at this, she'd be she'd come out sort of second best on the time form ratings. Um, for the race and one of those ratings is a slightly dubious one as well uh, for the horse she's top rated I think she'll improve again um, I wouldn't have been absolutely mad to see her over over three miles you know two and three quarters would be absolutely fine for me but she you know as I said she's bred to stay she kept on well last time out so she's certainly worth a try at, at three miles 
Um, she handles heavy grounds. Again, you know, I'd be happy enough without the rain. You know, her, her maiden hurdle win came on soft ground. Uh, she was runner-up on her final start last season on heavy. Um, but the combination of three miles and, and potentially very soft ground that a lot of rain arrives would be the only worry I would have. I'm pretty sure there's a lot more to come from this mare. And it's very interesting that Paul Nolan's bringing her over. He doesn't bring too many horses over as Paul, and he's a pretty good record mm. um, with his readers to the UK. I completely agree with you. Uh, I do have to ask you, though, about the marvellous Del Arca. And the reason that I'm asking about this is not just because of my signed-up membership to the David Bike Final Club, uh, but they had Duke de, Duke de Bouchon uh, entered here. And um, instead, they've decided... I know the poker plays in here as well, but they've decided to rely on, on Del Arca, who has come back to the form of his life, to be fair, uh, or as some would say, in the prime of my life. Uh, Fergus Gillard takes off seven pounds. I think that's valuable. Uh, is is this too much? He has he has started to, to cut in price. That tens that I was talking about is now actually long gone. He's a best price eight to one. Is is this too much for him? I think it's, it's probably a step too far. He's, not, he's certainly not out of it on, on handicap terms. Um, but he's a slightly easier task than his last two start. I, I, I tipped him up in the paper when he won at um, a Newbury. I thought he was, I thought he was surprisingly big, big price that day. Yeah. He was, he was um, uh, running without a penalty. Fergus Gillard's ridden him his last two starts. Don't be taking the seven pounds off to try to work his chance out here because you know the same jockey's been on him for his last two starts. The first of them in a conditional jockey's hurdle, and historically he he might just find one three one in a better race and he's been contesting just a little bit too much for him but the the young jockey gets on very well with him um he's got you know he's got plenty of form um in similar races in the past and it wouldn't be beyond the realms of possibility to, to, to see him win this of course we, we saw you know what i mean harry um turn the clock back to win well yeah uh, at entry last weekend at a, at a quite a big price so don't rule him out but um I think he's taken advantage of a couple of good opportunities his last two starts, and this is a little bit tougher. Okay. Uh, would he be one that I could include for the... You can include him, yeah. yeah. I've never, never put you off anything at a double-figure price. Great. Perfect. Okay. But again, the main bet for you is Mrs. Milner. Um, Tom, remind us of your final selection. Weather front, and hopefully it won't be too soft for it, because I think it's got a big chance. But um, tish. Uh, so we've basically got the TriCast here. We've got the trifecta. Mrs. Milner, how strong are you on Mrs. Milner, Rory? I could, if, if I thought there was going to be um, just a smattering of rain to turn the ground to the softer soft, I'd be, perfectly, I'd be perfectly happy. The prospect of very soft ground in three miles for the first time would just worry me. But she's, she's double figures, isn't she? Yes, she is. Um, yeah. I, I, think, I think she's much better than that. So I'm happy to take the chance. The best prize I can get you right now is 12s. That's fair enough. And that's with firms who will allow you to have... A, a, yeah, I mean, she'll be, she'll be single figures. Yeah. Oh, certainly. Well, she's going to be single That's figures after the final Furlong Podcast army have gotten stuck in. So Mrs. Milner is a strong fancy for Roy Delargy. Uh It's Weatherfront for our man uh, Tom Bull, who is currently a best price. I need to double check this because these odds are very, very funny. Uh, 16s. They were actually right about it there. Fair play. Uh, so 16s, again, with reputable firms. And um, I'm throwing in Del Arca for the trifecta. See you all in Dubai, folks. The 325, the Paddy Power first millionaire qualifier intermediate handicap hurdle. 325. This will be on ITV. And this is the race where Tom Bull has a very strong fancy which means I'll make you wait and go to Rory Delargy first. 
it's tempting to go with Captain Tomcat, who, who won well at the um, at the last meeting here. Um, and I could see both uh, Son of Camas and Kepage um, benefiting from breathing operations, particularly the top weight. I think he's he's possibly the most interesting of them for me, uh, Kepage, who, who was um, he's not an easy one to get a, to get a handle on because um, he jumped terribly. Um, if memory serves, when he when he won at, uh, at Leicester, um, in what was a weak race, but he he was much better at Doncaster in his final start, um, and he's um, he's clearly improving all the time. Stable tends to um, target this meeting. Uh, I thought he'd be a little bit shorter than than uh, than he is. He's a thirteen to two poke. Um, I thought he might be close to, to favoritism, um, and the the form of his his. Um, uh, his win at Doncaster, it only came in a three-runner race at the end of February, it has to be said, um, is pretty solid. Um, whereas, you know, he, he won a bumper on his debut for David Pipe. And then, as I said, he won that, that pretty weak Leicester race, despite the fact that um, uh, that he took most of the hurdles home with him. Uh, and it clearly he's got lots of scope. Um, and if I was the handicapper, I would hate to try to work out what mark to give him based on what he's done. So he's the one who could be who could be ahead of his mark in this field, even though he's got 11 stone 12. Um, and he'd be my selection at 13 to 2. This could be a big, big day for David. This could be three winners on the day for him, in which case I'll be going mental. That's a patent, unless Tom Bull tells me what his nap is, in which case things change. I just think Son of Camas could be absolutely thrown in here. Oh. Um, mark of 133. Um, the horse that he beat at Newbury in a maiden hurdle last season called King Roland, then went on to finish second in grade two and is now rated at 140. So Son of Camas on a line through that is at least seven pounds well in. And I think he has got plenty of scope for improvement. He was given two very tough tasks after his maiden hurdle win in the Tollworth behind Fiddler on the Roof, where he didn't run badly at all. Uh, I think the ground may have been a bit too soft for him that day. And then he had no chance behind Envoy Allen in a race that was too hot for him. But he's had a wind operation. Hopefully that will have an impact on him. And I do think that off 133, if he's the horse that I think he's going to be, will eat these ones up. I mean, I, you know, I could be wrong. He's, he's coming off the back of a long layoff. He might need the run. Um, but I, I would be surprised if 133 was not a very lenient mark for him because I expect him to, to be better than that and possibly even in the 150s as he gets older. So hopefully the son of Camas, he's only five. Um, this is going to be his bread and butter, I hope. I do fear Captain Tomcat. I yeah. have to say, I was quite impressed with the way that he won at Cheltenham last time because he hit the front too early. Uh, Killing Leonard actually came off the horse that day and said that he got to the front way too early and he was worried he was going to get caught the horse got him out of trouble that day because he's a very good horse and he was nicely handicapped and uh, I don't think off a six pound high mark he's possibly too harshly handicapped now and Killing Leonard definitely knows what he's doing at Cheltenham so I do fear Cats and Tomcat but I just think Son of Camas could be too well handicapped for these. Can I ask two questions and Rory probably has the answer to this you, you do too I'm sure Tom has Son of Camas had two wind ups? Uh, I think he's just had, he has, he had he has had two. You're absolutely right. Yeah, mm. yeah. He had one after fitted on the roof Tolworth, and then he got pulled up at uh, Cheltenham, and then he's had another one since, which obviously isn't isn't a particularly good sign. But um, uh, well, it might not be a bad one. Yeah, no, it might not be. And and by any chance, does anybody have the record of Nicky Anderson horses running after a wind up? 
not offhand. It's better than most trainers. Yeah, that was in my head, but I don't know what the number is. I do know a man who does, though. And if you have, if you've got a problem, if there's someone you need to call, you call Brian Galt. So, uh, Brian, can you tweet us, please, with the info on that? Uh, Nikki Henderson's record with runners after a wind-up. It would be much appreciated. Um, my, my only question with Sonic Khan, aside from the fact his, his, his breathing um, has caused him problems on at least three occasions in his short career, um, is that he's by a miler and his damn sire is a six-foot-long horse. Yeah. Um, so the, the trip has to be a bit of a worry. <laughs> Um, but you know he's clearly got plenty of ability if they can sort him out. And, and again, he's another one who wouldn't want the ground to get very soft. No, um, you definitely wouldn't want yeah. soft ground. That's for sure. Really soft ground. Especially, yeah. I, I'm I'm fascinated to know what the details are on that wind up, and it's in the back of my head, and I can't get to it. It's it's locked away there somewhere. But Brian Galt, bail us yeah, out, I think please. Bear in mind with trainers like Nicky Henderson and, and Paul Nichols as well is that they do a, they, they do a lot of sort of tinkering with horses' wind. Yeah, and have minor. Um, uh, you know, do minor wind surgery in quite a lot of horses, whereas um, uh, you know a lot of horses who've had wind surgery, you know, it's been it's been uh, major corrective wind surgery, yeah, um, and it's less likely to be to be effective than those little tweaks. Well, Kepash has had a wind operation as well as you were saying, Rory. So, um, yes, Brian, if you can do us a big favor, please, and we'll give you a big shout out on the on the review on Monday with Jane Mangan and Kate Tracy. Um, David Pipe and Nicky Henderson's records with runners after a wind operation. Much obliged. Uh, the 3.55 at Cheltenham is a race that Rory DeLarge has a very, very strong opinion on. My opinion is if I don't leave now to pick my children up from school, I'll be locked up. <laughs> so uh, there you go. Other than to say that I love a bumper. They should all be run behind closed doors with no betting. There you go. That's Rory's. On that bombshell. That's Rory's take. Uh, Rory, give us your uh, best bets for Sunday before you head off the Greatwood Hurdle. Uh, I will probably side with the top weight there. Oh, really? Ballyandy? Yes. Okay. Yeah, he, ran a, he ran a cracker in the Welsh uh, Champion Hurdle. That form looks looks very good now with the winner winning the uh, winning the elite standing on his head the other day. So he's um, he'll run a really solid race. I think he'll definitely hit the frame and he won't mind any more rain. Well, it's all about the Moonracer form, and we all know that he was a superstar, so... But I'm tish back to an old Final Furlong podcast joke. And the Morgiana? Uh, no opinion. No opinion. He, all he, right. said, he said literally heading for the door. And the Schlur? Stop talking! <laughs> Any thoughts on the Schlur? <laughs> no! Bye, Rory! Bye-bye! <laughs> See you next week! Uh, Rory DeLarge, who, um, on our last podcast had to leave for a Zoom call with parents. Dear God, the nightmare of that. And uh, now has to go and do the proper responsibility of collecting his kids. So, you know, we could leave them standing out in the pouring rain, but that wouldn't be very nice of us. So uh, we're not, we're not going to do that. So Rory's got no real opinion on the bumper, but uh, Tom, I think you wanted to have a quick word on it. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm not strong in opinion at all, but I, I mean, a lot of a lot of was said about LA Bell's run at Aintree last time mm. where she absolutely bolted up. Um, that was a nice performance on David Dan Skelton. So she's got to have a chance. And uh, you can have her is another one who really impressed me at Fontwell over a very short distance, actually. That was one mile, five and a half furlong bumper, but she won by 20 lengths that day. Um, so you've got to give her respect but it's just an interesting race to watch really those would be my two against the field but it's an absolutely not a betting race it should be very informative for these mares in the future 
Yeah, I couldn't agree with you more. There's some very exciting prospects in there, but the thing is, we just don't know enough about them. But this is where I will give a, again, a proper plug to Paul Ferguson's excellent book, Jumpers to Follow, which is available from Weatherby's. So uh, it's uh, you can buy it from Weatherby's sister site, Bet Trends. And uh, Final Furlong Podcast listeners sold out the hard copies. Uh, the only thing that can be said about that, Tom, is up the final Furlong Podcast army. Nicely done. Absolutely. Nicely done. Uh, fair play to you all. Uh, the FFP code that was used was uh, very, very effective. So well done. Paul's a really good guy, so I'm just delighted for him. But uh, that doesn't mean that the copies are gone because you can just do what I do, which is buy the PDF version. And uh, very kindly, Paul got it sent to me. So thank you, Paul Ferguson. But um, if you just head on to Weatherby's or their sister site, uh, Betrends, you can acquire uh, the excellent Paul Ferguson's Jumpers to Follow for the 2020-2021 season. Tom, are my mouth words failing me? What's going on? Uh, you can get his book and there is some excellent insight there, uh, particularly not only about the key horses to follow for the season and um, uh, trainer insights as well and who he considers to be very exciting prospects, but there's also talk of uh, bumper horses as well. So it's a must read. It really is, particularly if you're doing the toe 10 to follow. And if you buy it now, you've got it instantly and you can have it on your computer, your tablet, your phone, your smartphone, as long as you don't have a flip phone, you're okay. Uh, so yeah, head, head to Weatherby's and, uh, and and pick it up. It's um, Jumpers to Follow from Paul Ferguson. It's absolutely brilliant. And just another quick shout out, uh, just because it's so good. Um, Jody Standing, and this is where the bumper, bumper horses really come into play. Uh, Jody Standing does an excellent point-to-point -point recruits book. Uh, so it's Point to Point Recruits 2020-2021 by Jody Standing. Jody's excellent. She's really, really, she's exceptionally talented. Uh, it's available from Martin Julian's site. Uh, so M-A-R-T-E-N-J-U-L-I-A-N. And uh, again, I bought the PDF version because I just prefer reading it on the iPad, quite frankly. And she will have uh, a, an absolute endless amount of information for you there about point-to-point -point recruits that we will be seeing in bumpers and novice hurdles this season. So for horses to add to your tracker on the racing posts or irishracing.com or at the races or whatever it is that you use, racing TV, um, I highly recommend that you buy Paul Ferguson's book. Uh, if you are buying it, by the way, the PDF, that code is still available, FFP20. So there's three pounds 50 off for Final Furlong Podcast listeners. We're getting you that gravy still. Thank you, Weatherbees. Uh, so FFP20, when you're buying Paul Ferguson's book from Weatherbees and their sister site, Bet Trends. Um, I don't have any gravy for you for the Martin Julian side, I'm afraid, but just buy Jody's book because it's excellent. Point to Point Recruits 2020, 2021. And there's another person who I could also plug but I'm going to wait until they make their appearance on the show, which hopefully will be pretty soon. Um, and that person is is absolutely class. And I'm a big admirer of, and uh, we'll we'll promote when they make their appearance on the show. That seems right to me, Tom, doesn't it? We'll we'll wait until then. Yeah, I think uh, yeah. That's that's a that's a good that's a good approach, I would say. Yeah, let's not jump the gun, and uh, we'll we'll get some we'll get some insight there. Uh, right, plugs over. 
three o'clock Sunday. It'll be live on ITV and <coughs> Racing TV, the new home of Tumble. The Unibest Greatwood Handicap Hurdle Grade 3. Uh, as we were saying, the going is currently good to soft, and as things stand, there are 21 runners. The market looks a little bit like this. Um, we'll go with the... Yeah. Yeah, let's try and find the biggest prices we can and not do the thing that Rory bollocks me out of for saying, why are you quoting the shortest price? Uh, so, Porshama is 11 to 2. Edward Stone, top price of 6 to 1. Thyme White is sixes. Main fact for David Pipe is that David Pipe could have a huge weekend, by the way, is a top price 7 to 1. And uh, Strong Glance is top price 14s. Uh, standout with one particular firm. Um, so most firms are currently paying quarter of the odds four places, to be fair. So keep an eye out for that. Uh, there's a there's a one or two who are doing five places, but it's fifth of the odds. So make your own mind up as to whether or not uh, which you prefer. Let's get the thoughts of Tom on uh, on this race. Tom Bull, crack the Greatwood Handicap Hurdle for us, please. Yeah, I mean, it really is a case of cracking it, isn't it? Because it's a proper puzzle this year, as it always is. But I mean, you know, the top of the market, pick and choose really, because it's just a fascinating race. I mean, you've got quite a few horses here who are, uh, you know, quite clearly well handicapped enough to do a business. In a race like this, if they continue to improve, I mean, main fact for David Pipe is a very exciting horse, arguably the most exciting in the race, having won so many times six times in a succession on over hurdles and on the flat and uh, still we were handicapped off 147 for that 15 length annihilation at Utoxter when last seen over the hurdles in March that was a fine performance so you've got to give that one a lot of respect um, Sebastopol Tom Lacey has been absolutely firing them in he's so shrewd he won't have placed this horse without thinking he's got a big chance he was running the Scottish County Hurdle when last seen back in February both those have got to show they're fit enough to do the business which is a big ask after so long off the track uh, Time White was a fantastic winner at Shepstow. I mean, that was a really good performance, wasn't it, when he beat the Pinky yeah. by three lengths. But he has been raised £11 in the weights for that. I think that could possibly just prove a little bit a step too far. And Edward Stone had some very nice form in Novice Company last year and could be well handicapped on the line through King Roland as well. So, I mean, you've got to give chances to all, all the top guys. Um, but I have to say, there are a couple down the bottom of the, the prices who I also think you can give big chances to and who could easily be as well handicapped as their counterparts towards the top of the market. One of those, and I'm really quite sweet on this horse, for the same connections who won the race with Nietzsche two years ago, Danny McMenamin and Brian Allison, both of whom team up again with Cormier in the same colours. And this horse has won his last two over hurdles in very weak contests. He's won as he liked without turning a hair, as you would expect at both Fakenham and Utoxter. But I think he's going to be well handicapped to a mark of one three six. He's coming into this in the form of his life. He was in brilliant form on the flat. He won twice at Catterick before finishing second to a rejuvenated Nikita, who was once a very, very good horse, winning the Chester Cup, of course, mm. earlier in that career. And Cormier, for me, could still be well handicapped to 136. He's given us this in the form of his life. And at 20 to 1 or so, I think he's massively overpriced for a trainer who knows exactly what it takes to win a race like this. I think the ground will be absolutely fine for him. It doesn't matter if it goes on the soft side. And I can see Cormier, a big price, being a huge player here, off a nice weight of 10 stone eight and the other one I like is Balinska for Evan Williams and Brian Hughes who at one stage last year after winning at Ludlow did look as though you might scale the very very top of the hurdling tree and it wasn't to be here he ended up finishing um, 
uh, fourth, sorry, behind the Banneking Rebel, a very good horse at Haydock, and then returned this year with, an, again, slightly underwhelming performance behind another horse, actually, who takes part in this race called Milkwood. He was second beaten four lengths that day, but that was a nice pipe opener for him, and he's definitely better than 130, and I know that for a fact. He's going to be um, a very exciting horse going forward, I'm sure, and 130 definitely doesn't do him justice for Evan Williams and Brian Hughes. Brian Hughes, obviously, who is riding winners, as he always is. So I think those two taking on the ones at the top at bigger prices definitely have big chances but it's very wide open you can give chances to so many I didn't even mention Proshima who's favourite for the race and I'm, I was a little bit underwhelmed by that performance last time at Weatherby finishing second to Anamoy that horse has since gone on to win again over fences this time but I thought Proshima possibly should have won that I'm not entirely sure for £3 high mark Proshima is particularly well handicapped so I am going to go further down with particularly Cormier and also Valinska, both at big prices. There was a couple of years ago that um, a certain Rory DeLarge made a very strong case for a Brian Ellison horse called Nietzsche, who went in and landed the gravy at 20s. And one of our listeners who I think wants to remain anonymous um, got in touch with me via DM asking me my thoughts on Cormier, um, heading for this race at uh, a very big price. And I was saying, well, I'm not going to put you off. He was just asking, like, did I have any insight into whether or not he's running? And I said, I'm afraid I don't know about Brian Ellison's inner thoughts and inner workings, but um, I'd imagine that they would be very keen to run him. And then along comes Tom Bull and uh, makes a very, very strong case for Cormier, who is currently a top price of 20s. And I'm pretty certain that uh, this Final Furlong Podcast listener in particular got big, big prices. So Cormier is is going to be your main selection. Definitely. Uh, plenty to look forward to with this horse um, off a mark of 136, I think. And, and we know Danny McMenamin is very, very good value for his £3 claim. So I can mm. see him running a really big race. Initially, I was finding it very, very difficult to get away from Edward Stone. We know that Rory is putting up Ballyandy. Obviously, we respect that. Uh, I was finding it difficult to get away from Edward Stone, particularly given Alan King's record in the race. He's won it twice in the last three years. But good old David Pipe took this back with Del Arca back in 2013 and there was a problem with the Imperial Cup this year wasn't there it had to be cancelled didn't it yeah they didn't run it this year no what I was very taken with was David Pipe made a, a very very interesting quote after that 15 length win that you were talking about and so did his jockey Fergus Gillard who said it was a shame the Imperial Cup didn't go ahead but this is great compensation for the brilliant owners now they obviously really fancied main fact for that race if they were fancying him for that I don't see any reason why they wouldn't be fancying him for this. And he is being constantly cut in price. And as you said, Tom, he's on this winning run as well. Now, look, he's carrying 11 stone five, but Pagliandi's on 11 stone 12. So I, I'm going to happily throw in main facts and I'm reasonably confident about him. And what I'll do is I'll back main fact and I'm going to back your horse, Cormier. And then I will do the box exacta, to quote Barry Faulkner, the uh, reverse forecast, basically, the combination exacta and the combination tricast on both, on all, on all three. And see you in Dubai if it comes off. Uh, that would be very, very nice if it does. Uh, it's, a, it's a tough race, but um, final selections. Cormier for Tom. It's uh, Ballyandy with that crucial Moonracer form for Roy Delargy. And obviously, using the following blind Nyarkos family horses, uh, I'm backing the David Pipe horse. 
following blind uh, with main facts. But no, I actually genuinely think that this horse has got some serious form to his name. And I think he's got a very big handicap in him as well. The more I look at this weekend, the more it looks as though it's going to be a fascinating one for David Pipe. Don't worry, we will be coming to the Moigana hurdle at Punchestown in a little bit. But first of all, let's move on to the Schlur chase at Cheltenham. And fair play to Jamie from the Tote for instantly knowing how to pronounce it. That's the sign of a long-time listener, first-time caller. It's really called the Schlur. Uh, 225, live on Racing TV, the new home of Tom Bull. Have we said that yet? Put the kettle on. The Oracle winner, and she's coming over, which is fantastic news. It's confirmed that she comes over and Aidan Coleman rides for Henry de Bromhead. I can't wait to see the, the Kilkenny Silks on the cats out again. And she's currently co-favorite with Rouge Vif. Obviously, we've talked about quite a bit on the Final Forum podcast. And... Um, is a, a very, very talented horse in his own right and has already been out this season and fairly dotted up. They are also taking on Deffy DeSoy, who bombed out in the champion chase, but he had a good season prior to that. But interestingly, making his debut for Paul Nichols from the Willie Mullen stable, Duke de Genevre, who, as we know, on his day is very, very good. So yet another Jared Sullivan horse to be making their debut. Uh, we know one's with Fergal O'Brien, but the rest of them have all gone to Nichols. Uh, so break it down for me, my friend. Uh, the Arkle winner put the kettle on. Is this a signal of intent that she's going to be going for the champion chase? Or are they just dipping their toe in the water to see how warm it is and, uh, and make their decisions? Because I cannot wait to see the Kilkenny colors being carried, hopefully, to victory at Cheltenham again. Yeah, I think they're dipping their toe in, to be honest, Emmett, because if you remember last season's Arkle, she was 16 to 1 and wasn't strongly fancied from either the British or the Irish quarters. She jumped very well and showed that she is more than up to the challenge of winning at grade one level. Mm-hmm. She's now rated 155, which is on the slightly lower side of Arkle wins because, of course, she carries that mayor's allowance. Uh, I think she's going to have to improve quite markedly to win this race if both Defi de Soy and Rouge Vif turn up in their best form, particularly Defi de Soy, obviously last year's winner, who won really quite impressively with a devastating turn of foot. Seeing off Belittlog, you can completely put a line through that performance in the championship chase. For whatever reason, he just wasn't there at the races. He's a much better horse than that. He's a better horse than Belittlog is. We know that from prior... Oh, Harry, Harry Derham is coming for you, son. Oh, you're oh, going to get some beating. He can come for you all he wants. Look, Belittlog, <laughs> Belittlog is a... We know how good he is. He's a stalwart, yeah. fine, fine jumper who took advantage of the fact that neither Altio or Chacon could line up in the champion chase and the fact that Defi de Soy had a massive off day, beaten 13 and a half lengths of the line, finishing fourth out of five. And on that performance in the Schler chase, Defi de Soy quite clearly is the better of the two. Yeah, I agreed. You'd have to say that, really, um, no matter how much Harry Darren loves him. Um, he's a wonderful horse in his own right. Of course he is. But um, I think it definitely saw you. Look, he's rated at 169. If he runs to that mark on Sunday, he will probably win. And I hope he does run like he did in last year's race because it was a really nice performance. And he showed a devastating turn of foot that day. And even though, despite the fact Barry Garrett is not on, I think he did get the best out of that horse. Hopefully, Richard Johnson can relight the spark that he seemed to be lacking at Cheltenham back in March because he does seem to be, to me, to be the most exciting of these. So hopefully, Deputy Desori is the one to beat. Rouge Vif, obviously a very interesting horse, having finished third behind Put the Kettle on, beaten 19 and a half lengths in third. I mean, that's a long way behind put the kettle on in the Arkle 
last season, produced a, a mind-blowing performance at Cheltenham in the October meeting, beating Western Miller at seven and a half lengths in handicap companies. After that, raised eight pounds to one six four, which could easily be on the lenient side. Um, Harry Whittington tends to have his horses ready for that October Cheltenham meeting, and Rouge Vif really did look a very impressive performer. So, you know, if he does improve again, he could definitely trouble Defi de Soy. But I think Defi de Soy, he's been there and done it. We know how good he is, and it's his race to lose. Obviously, as you said, Duke de Genève is a very interesting runner for Paul Nichols' first time up. I like that and pronunciation, think, by the way. Well, I, I don't know about that, but. Um, <laughs> Uh, he's uh, he's a very interesting runner because he's got a lot of he's got a lot of ability. We seem to forget how much ability he does have when he puts it all together. He is a good horse in his own right, and he's, he's rated 160 for a reason. And so, with Harry Cobden on board, you can't discount him if he does run. Um, Rise on the storm. I don't think this is going to be the right kind of test for him. I think this is probably the stepping to something else later in the season. Forrest Behan will probably need the run. Um, but I think Defi de Soy is the one to beat here. I hope he comes back to his best. And if he does, then they've all got him to catch. I mean, the mayor's allowance makes it um, makes definitely makes put the kettle on competitive. But I think she's got a lot to find with both Defi de Soy and Rouge Biff as it stands. Couple of questions for you. Um, mm. Question number one with regards to just assessing this race. Is the market completely wrong, in your view, given how good Defi de Soy was in this race last year? That there are... So there's a number of big firms. They're all kind of interconnected and they're going five to two Defi and two to one, put the kettle on. There's then other firms who are going, essentially, it's really three three co-favorites. It's put the kettle on, uh, Defi de Soy, Rushviv, pay your money, take your choice in and around the two to one shot. You might get nine to four about one of them. So that five to two about Defi de Soy that's available with certain firms, is that just too big a price in your mind? Yeah, I, I mean, it is. Yeah, I, if I was pricing it up, and it's, I'd have Defi de Soy probably six to four, 30 to eight favorites put the kettle on possibly around about nine to four and then Rouge Reef after that. So I, I do think they have priced it up wrongly. I can see why they put, put the kettle on as favorite with that huge weight allowance she does get. Uh, but even with that weight allowance, she's still a fair bit off the ability of Defi de Soy. Uh, and I think he should be favorite. Yeah. And the second question is a pop quiz hotshot. How many times has Paul Nichols won this race in the last 10 years? Um, that was 10 years. Mm, I mean, he, he, did he win it with dodging bullets? I'm just trying to think. Uh, I'll go, I, I can't remember him winning it with either Politolog or dodging bullets. So I'm going to say none. Oh, now you've either looked that up, but I don't think you have because you're that good. Spot on. He hasn't. He hasn't had a winner in this race well, for 10 I'm years. I'm just trying to think of it. I'm trying to think of the, the, the big two-mile chases he's had over the last few years. Yeah. And I don't think this is a race he actually targets that often. So. It's not. I think he used to. Uh, and again, Brian Galt or any Final Furlong podcast listener who has the, uh, the back information, do let us know. I think he used to target it. But he changed and, and doesn't anymore. So it's just it's just going to be interesting to see what he can get out of Duke de Genevra. Because, as you said, he's exceptionally talented on his day. And he showed that at Kempton running Bundoran as close as he did. Look, I know it's Bundoran, but still, it, it looked as though that was him coming back to form. I'm going to go with put the kettle on. I have great respect for Henry de Bromhead. And I think he could have a double at Cheltenham over the weekend. 
with the Sarkineva as well. So I'll weigh in with the Kilkenny colors. No bias there at all. The Plant Tour at Chapel Stud, Handicap Chase, grade three, the 150, uh, three miles, three and a half furlongs, this one. Uh, so this is going to be a fairly interesting race. Do you have any particular insight that you would like to share with the class, Tom Bull? <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I do. I think Discorama is due a big one, and this could well be it. He stays this far. We know that. We saw that when he was second to Lebroy in the National Hunt Chase a couple of years ago. And he was third in the Ultima last year of a two furlong shorter. And he's now two pounds higher than that. I don't think that handicaps him out of things whatsoever. And that performance behind Milan Native when beating a short head and closing all the time at the line at Galway on his reappearance was a very nice, encouraging return. And Paul Nolan, we know how shrewd he is. Yeah. And he's had winners at Tottenham in the past. Discarama does look, he's not a very good price. I think he's five to one joint favourite. But he's got to have stupendous claims in this race off a weight that definitely suits and off a trip that should be ideal for him in conditions if they get the required rain that will be absolutely ideal as well. So Discarama does rate a very big, very big fancy in this race. He's not a great price, but I think he'll win. Uh, there is our old friend, Rams de Taille, uh in this <laughs> race as well. And uh, it's a handicap chase. Like the, that was the thing about him is that they, they could mix it with him uh, and do what they wanted. And uh, I feel as though, I feel as though I'm going to get suckered in like the dum dum I am and, uh, and Vakram's the tie. Is my lucky 63 just going to be all David Pipe and um, Henry de Bromhead horses this weekend? Maybe, possibly, possibly. Uh, this brings... Well, well, so I was just going to say, one interesting entry in this race, we obviously haven't got the declarations at the, at the time of recording. Yeah. The fact that Pim has been put into this under a £5 penalty is fascinating. Yes. Uh, because this wouldn't be the usual kind of race you'd expect a horse who won that intermediate chase at Sandown, like he did, to be going for. But the fact that Nicky Henderson's put him in suggests that he might well be running in it. I mean, it's a very odd way of doing things, but you know, you can't argue with him. And um, he's likely to stay the extra two and a half furlongs, I would imagine, because I think he does nothing but stay. So he's definitely an interesting entry to keep an eye on. Well shouted. Keep an eye on him. Final furlong podcast listeners, possibly one to put into the tracker just in case things don't go to plan. If he doesn't rock up, no, I, I would one hundred percent agree with that. Yeah, I mean, if he doesn't rock up, I still think he's got a big future ahead of him. I thought if the cap fits who he beat at Sandown last week was quite an impressive debut chase winner um, at Shepstow and he really put him in his place so I think he's got a big future and um, we all know how good those colours have been in the past so hopefully um, the owners have got another good one yeah good shout alright Adam to your uh, at the races racing posts irishracing.com sporting life whoever it is you're using as your tracker um, uh, Adam in because he could be make the note that Tom has given you uh, he could be very much one to follow uh, we now transfer to Ireland uh, which will oh it's live on ITV fair play guys fair play to you for doing that um, I d- I'm gonna have to check the EPG I don't know if Virgin Media are I'll just put it this way. I don't, I don't know, but I hope Virgin Media are simulcasting ITV's coverage in Ireland at the weekend, because if they're not, then uh, basically, if you're just a, a regular Sky customer, you can't see it, um, because it's not on the EPG. ITV is the one UK channel. We've got bloody Channel 5, Tom on our EPG and nobody wants to watch channel five greatest respect to you. 
uh, but we don't have ITV on it. So hopefully Virgin Media are the ones have the have the contract. They'll definitely show Saturday and hopefully they'll show Sunday as well. I'm sure they will because it's great with Hurdle Day. They have to. And that means that this race will be involved too. But of course, it's also live on Racing TV. Uh, Salt Roy is currently your favourite at 10 to 11. Abracadabras, who we were disappointed with on his seasonal reappearance uh, not long ago at all at Down Royal, is uh, currently 3 to 1. And would you really have thought that going into the start of the season? Saldier, who to be fair won this race last year, is a 5 to 1 shot. Curse Sublime, and they're all double figure prices after that. Uh, Jessica, Jessica Arrington has Super Sunday entered here as well. To be fair, Kate Tracy, Kate Tracy, to be fair, Kate Harrington was saying that um, he might need to come back, but I think the, the speed might be lacking for this race, uh, but we'll see how he gets on. So, uh, William Mullins has farmed this race, and I won't ask you, I'll just tell you straight out. Nine wins in the last 10 years. The man has absolutely farmed it. And uh, last year he won it with Saldier, who he was confirming would be going for this race in a stable tour with David Jennings in the Racing Post, which I highly recommend you read. And that's my second plug on a different Final Furlong podcast for that. So David Jennings, uh, the fee should be sent to my post box. Thank you very much. Uh, but no, seriously, it was a great, great stable tour and check it out. What is your assessment of this race then? We've got a, a horse who's essentially stepping up from Handicap Company. He's he's come out and won already in grade three company and was very impressive, but with the greatest of respect, he beat Tigris River that day in St. Roy. He's very, very popular for to- 10 to follow fans, but are you prepared to forgive Abracadabras and do you take Saldier, who we were very excited about last year, but we only got to see once? What's your thoughts on the race? Yeah, it's, it's an interesting one, really. If you take out Jason the Militant, there's only seven pounds on official racing that separates the field. And Jason the Militant is not good enough to win this. Um, Abergadabras, I was really disappointed by that run at Down Royal. Yeah, I mean, it wasn't, horrend- it wasn't horrendous. Mm. Um, but, you know, you, you'd want to see a champion, a future champion hurdler, probably win that and win it reasonably well if he's going to be one um there's still time there's definitely still time and you've been ahead by shishkin in last year's supreme was a fantastic performance probably an unlucky loser that day to be honest even though shishkin did get done around the bend um i mean yeah on that evidence you've got to give the, the race to san ra to, to, for me because um even though he only beat tigris river last time out he couldn't have done it any easier and uh, that win in the county beating aramon who has since gone on to, to good things himself uh, is very very strong form indeed, and he showed a fantastic turn of foot, which we we saw a glimpse of at Tipperary last time. So, uh, Sarawa for me is a, is a likeliest winner for Willie Mullins, who clearly relies on him as his first string rather than Saldier, who had the world at his feet after winning this last year. But obviously, nothing's gone to plan since. It's a big shame because he's a very very talented horse, but has had no luck in his career whatsoever. Um, so hopefully, we'll see the real Saldier, and but I don't think it's going to be. On Sunday, I think I think he might need the run, um, despite the fact he did defy a long layoff to win the race uh, last year. Uh, so for me, Sarawar is the one to beat here. I want to see a more from Abacadabras, but Sarawar is the most exciting of these. He reminds me a little bit of Espoir Dallin, actually, the way that he quickens up in his races in those same colours. So hopefully he can win this and go on to better things, because he looks a real live champion hurdle contender for William Mullins and for J.P. McManus. Can I just do a quote on, on Saldier for you? Again, this is from... David Jennings in the Racing Post, um, not to be just stealing his work. So the official quote from William Mullins on Saldier was, he's in great shape and he's entered in the Hatton's Grace, but there's the Moigiana in a few weeks before that. 
and he won it last year. Some of his form entitles him to be aimed at the top races, and I'd love to get at least one crack at a champion hurdle with him. He then goes on to talk about St. Roy, uh, again in the same piece. He's always worked very well, and I would say the piece of work he did before Cheltenham was one of the best bits of work we've seen on our gallop all year. We were delighted to give Barry Garrity, friend of the podcast, his final Cheltenham winner in the county hurdle, and he came back in good shape at Tipperary. The Morgiana is now the plan, and we'll look at Leopardstown races for him after that. Ay ay ay! It's basically he's talking up both, and it's like, how do you how do you then decide uh, which of the two you want? And when it comes to a question like that, for me, it's well, who's the bigger price? So I'll side with. Saldier, but we've got to remember that Saldier is a six-year-old. Yeah, he's he's still he's still so young. Yeah, it's amazing, really, because it feels like he's been around forever. Yeah, and with the greatest of respect to poor Espor Dalan, God rest him, what a horse he was, what a performance he put in to win the champion hurdle. Saldier looked like he was going to beat him that day when he fell uh, back in November 2018. So I guess the the thing I'm talking about here really is in the Toad Tend to Follow show that we did. We were talking about who do you put in really from the two mile division in Ireland. And St. Roy was a horse that we were starting to lean on quite heavily and and include in our 10. But I'm, as I said, subject to change. And I'm starting to think very heavily about Saldier. I'm just worried about, is he gonna be a little bit like glass? Like only, he had a good few races in 2018 to be fair. Last year was a wipeout for him. I think I might go with him, you know. And Mullins tends to have these horses fully revved up for their seasonal reappearance. Um, Nichols Canyon, for example. I remember, I remember last year's race, and it was a, a similar kind of story because Classical Dream was the, the big one being talked about for Willie Mullins. That's right. And, and Saldier was the, the forgotten cousin, really, and produced a much better performance than Classical Dream did, who obviously uh, kind of showed nothing after that brilliant win in the Supreme. So maybe, maybe this year, it's it, you know the Willie Mullins pair can fight it out. But I, I'd still, I'd still be keener on Sarawai. I just think he's the one going places quicker. Yeah. He's got that recent run under his belt. We know he's going to be fine. And um, he looks the most exciting to me. The way that Saldier won last year's race when he beat Petit Mouchoir, uh, that was a good performance. But I don't think the form of that race is particularly strong. Um, so perhaps Sarawar can take advantage of that. Well, a good friend, Danny Mullins, wrote him that day. And um, he he's raved about him in the past on the, on the podcast. So... Uh, look, we'll we'll see how it all plays out. Um, obviously, Mark Walsh is going to be on board St. Roy, so it keeps things pretty simple. It means Paul Townend will ride Saldier unless Danny Mullins is going to do a 90s ice skating incident thing and uh, take out his kneecaps and um, get the ride himself. Good man, Danny. In you go. Um, but no, Paul Townend is demonstrating what a brilliant jockey he is. So... I'm, I'm fascinated by him. I, and and then there's also the prospect of Abracadabras, who Gordon Elliott said, I keep the faith in. It could very well be one of these races that's not a betting race, but I'm going to put my chips on the table and go Saldier. And uh, I respect, fully respect your decision on St. Roy. That should be it, except for the fact that my good friend Tom Bull yesterday I said to him, look, if you've got a horse at Lingfield that you want to talk about, throw it in. Or if you prefer racing TV, maybe something from Chelmsford if it's on. I don't know. What does he do? Only come up with a runner at Lingfield. 
Unbelievable. <laughs> it was me being sarcastic and taking the piss, and he actually comes up with a bet for Lingfield. I think it's the 340, am I correct? Uh, you are indeed correct, and I would say it's probably my best bet of the weekend. Oh, okay, so we'll give this its full, proper... Bells and whistles, right? This is the Betway Golden Rose Stakes, the listed race for the All-Weather Championships Fast Track Qualifier. It's also live on ITV and, of course, will be live on Sky Sports Racing as well. I think I know who you're going to go for, but <laughs> tell us anyway. I think you might be right. Um, yeah, look, the one of the star horses of the sprinting scene over the last couple of years has been judicial. And the way that he won the Golden Rose Stakes at Lingfield on Saturday in the manner that he did last year, it was just the most extraordinary performance. He was drawn widest of all, came right around the outside, which is almost unheard of to win a sprint race at Lingfield like that. And he absolutely powered down the outside of the veiled and won as he liked. I think Judicial is going to be a very good thing to win again. Yes, he's got to carry a penalty. And he's again drawn quite wide. He's drawn in nine, but didn't stop him last time. And he's got to have a massive chance for me. So Judicial in the Golden Rose Stakes to repeat the feat of last year. And he's a better horse this year. So you can absolutely see him going in once again. I started this podcast by saying jumps chat and only jumps chat. And literally it was a sarcastic WhatsApp message to Tom. And we end up with one of the bets of the weekend. You better believe that Judicial is going in our multiple bet. That's a fact. So 340 Lingfield, Judicial is in our best bets for the weekend. Will we do a lucky 63? Yeah, why not? Let's try and make some money, shall we? Who would you like to put in next, my friend? Uh, I'll go Discarama on Sunday. Right, that's the 150 Cheltenham Sunday. Okay. Rory will go insane if we leave out Mrs. Milner, given how confident he is about that horse. So that's the 250 Cheltenham. Cotto Rico, I mean, we've got the gravy already, basically, and in the sense that we're on at 66s, sorry, 40s, and whatever uh, our final front podcast army managed to get get involved with. So there's not much point in putting him in. We'll just cheer him on and hope that he gets the job done. I'll go with Kepage in the 325. Rory was quite keen on Kepage as well, wasn't he? So it's... He was, yeah. It's not just me and the David Pipe fan club there. Right, so Kepage, I really like that horse. Uh, that's, that's the 325 Cheltenham on Saturday. We'll have to go with uh, your horse, Brian Ellison's horse, Cormier, in the county in the Greatwood County Hurdle we're not at the festival yet Kennedy uh, at the Greatwood surely yes I think so I mean he's a big price and he shouldn't be that big a price so that's three o'clock Sunday for the Greatwood Hurdle and then to round it off I'm going to throw three horses at you I'll let you pick okay Zachareva in the 140 at Cheltenham on the Saturday for Henry de Bromhead put the kettle on for Henry de Bromhead in the Schlur or Saldier. Which of those three would you be more confident about? Well, I don't particularly fancy either Put the Kettle On or Saldier, but I can see Zachareva running a big race uh, in the 140, so I, I, I reckon go with that one. And that keeps that one simple then, doesn't it? That's that sorted. So Zachareva goes in. So the lucky, the final Furlong podcast, Dubai. See you in Dubai. Lucky 63 for the weekend is judicial on the flat. Don't blame me. Blame Tom Bolt. Uh, <laughs> Discorama, that's more like it. Sunday, 150 Cheltenham. Mrs. Milner for Rory, strong selection, 250 Cheltenham. Cormier, strong selection from our boy Tom Bolt. Three o'clock in the Great Wood on Sunday and a big price. Capage for me in the 325. And Zachareva 
in the 140 at Cheltenham. So if you want to just join in the fun, you do a 10 pence or 10 cents each way lucky 63. Uh, that'll cost you 1260. Let's go for that. That's the best bets for the weekend. We'll be shot if we don't briefly discuss the big novice chase at Punchestown. The 1235, the Lehman Valerie Brennan Florida Pearl novice chase grade two, which is obviously going to be dominated by latest exhibition. I will say that I think Gordon Elliott's got a very, very strong hand here because I like pencil full of lead quite a lot. And you got to be careful how you say that, really, don't you? I thought he made a, a very smooth transition to fences last time out. Any particular thoughts on the race? My only thought really is that if latest exhibition doesn't win, I think we'll all be very disappointed because he does look the most exciting in the race and has the best hurdles for him. So I think, you know, all eyes will be on him. Mm. And it was a nice performance he put up on first time out. So you'd be hoping for more again, Upton Grade. Willie Mullins named him as the horse that he is most excited about of the horses outside of his own stable. So that tells you all you need to know about him, considering that he's got Monkfish and they beat him by a neck. He's got a damn good line onto his form. Latest exhibition is the horse that most people, I think, are going to be very excited about to see at the weekend. But I'll be keeping a very close eye on the betting for Pencil Full of Lead. I'd be very interested to see if Rachel Blackmore rides again. I just like this horse and I think we'll get a good prize out of him this season. Probably not going to be this because Brian Cooper's probably going to be blowing kisses to the Zoom crowd uh, that are not there, but definitely a race to watch. 12.35, Racing TV, Sunday, some cracking racing in Ireland over the weekend. The tote tend to follow. Don't forget that window is going to close at 11 a.m. on Saturday morning. So there's a minimum £150,000 up for grabs in the prize pool. The more of you who play, then the bigger the prizes will be. And Jamie explained that. Jamie from the Tote explained that on the Final Forum podcast. I thought quite eloquently, to be fair, on the show as well. So the gravy could be absolutely outrageous by the time it all wraps up, but it's guaranteed at £150,000, the prize pool. There are monthly prizes of £10,000. You can enter for free. There's a, a free angle to it if you'd like to play that. But for £5 or €5.50, you can have a whale of a time, basically with the 10 to follow. You can get to follow the grade ones where you'll be, you'll be looking at horses like Envoy Alain running at 14 to one on. You can just sit back and watch them and know that's 25 points for me. Happy days. Check out the bonus races. And if you haven't listened to the show yet, listen back to it. We did a final Furlong podcast, 10 to follow special where Kate Tracy, Rory Delargy, Jamie and myself each give our horses to follow for the season. Uh, you can join the final Furlong Podcast Mini League. Come and have a go if you think you're clever enough to beat Kate Tracy and Rory Delargy and possibly me. The private league code is 000158. There will be monthly prizes for final Furlong Podcast listeners. So there's uh, some tote swag like uh, tote umbrella, which trust me, is badly needed in Ireland today. Tote pens. Jamie has managed to uncover a tote coaster that looks the business, to be fair. And uh, an overall bonus prize of £100 free bet with the tote. Plus the bragging rights. If you're able to tweet us with the fact that you're thrashing Kate Tracy, Delargy, and myself, and possibly Tom Bull as well, it's a good feeling. I enjoyed it when we did Stable Stars, and I uh, <coughs> won the Celebrity Mini League much to the chagrin of uh, Luke Harvey and Jason Weaver, who just hated on me every single week on Get In. Toe Tend to Follow is a prestigious competition. It's one that Tom and I would have grown up with back in the back in the days. I, I actually do remember the paper entry, but 
the online one is so much simpler. You can make transfers right up until the deadline, but that deadline is Saturday morning. Remember that if you're looking for points on Friday, they ain't gonna count. They don't begin until the window closes and there's a transfer window the week before Cheltenham. So bear that in mind. If you wanna put in album photo, well, there's no real point until Cheltenham. That would be the recommendation there. So listen back to the show. It was a lot of fun. Some great details in there, a bit of crack as well. Uh, It's available on all podcast apps and some rubbish ones as well. Kate Tracy, Roy DeLarge, Jamie Benson, and myself going through the strategy for the Tote 10 to follow. And um, it's it's your season sorted, as they say. So have a go. And uh, join the final Furlong Podcast Mini League. 000158 is the code. Tumble, always a pleasure, my friend. And I've thoroughly enjoyed this. Uh, Looking forward to a great weekend of racing. Yeah, it's proper top class, isn't it? Really exciting. And the jumps is back proper big time. This is always the first weekend for me that really has all the top class horses in it. So I can't wait. It's beginning to look a lot like the national hunt season and it's beginning to look a lot like Christmas as well. It's not far away. I'm super excited. The jump season is in full swing and um, it's brilliant to be able to talk about it. And especially with Rory Delargy and yourself and you for joining us on the show. Thank you so much for your company. Tom Ball, have a great weekend, my friend. Thanks, Evan. And you can't wait. Looking forward to having you back on the show soon and uh, looking forward to reviewing all the action with Kate Tracy and Jane Mangan on Monday's Final Furlong podcast. We should have a lot to discuss. Until then, have a great weekend. Hopefully there's plenty of gravy in there. Talk to you soon. God bless. The Final Furlong podcast is brought to you by Tote. Play Tote 10 to follow to be in with a chance of winning a minimum share of £150,000. Head to 10tofollow.com to play the ultimate season long racing competition.